Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Across the country, and I'm gonna, we're going to start quickly here. Kansas State in Texas. This is a really important game, by the way, because I, I, I mentioned that Virginia Tech and Louisville are two teams who you may not have expected to, to be in this situation where You've seen Louisville all season. They've kind of been that team that's been trending upwards, and then all of a sudden you have the Pittsburgh loss. Uh, but Virginia Tech has been flying under the radar. Kansas State's another team that's been flying under the radar, Abe. They're 25th in the country in the inaugural college football playoff poll. Texas, of course, everybody's been looking at the Longhorns. But this is a Kansas State team that's very much alive, and they can make it a three-way tie in the, in the Big 12. Yeah, and again, like we talked about, I don't even remember what team it was. Uh, I think it was actually Alabama in regards to not losing to LSU. Texas cannot lose this game and still reach the college football playoffs no matter what they do in the uh, Big 12 there. So uh, this is a team that can get you. There is no doubt about it. We saw it a year ago, like you mentioned, against TCU. Will Howard still a problem? So um, it was interesting, right, this week (laughs) because we saw some – my dog is – not agreeing puppy. with me. Not agreeing <laughs> with me. Um, we did see some stuff from Malik Murphy um, in regards to how comfortable are you with Texas yeah. being able to move forward without Quinn Ewers. Now we got to see it against a ranked team. Pretty good defense um, in a game where he might have to make plays in crucial moments. I think that's going to be the key. Uh, he looked good early on. The first returns were strong. But what do we have moving forward now? Absolutely. And I, and I want to correct something I did just say. I said a, a, a three-way tie. It's just a multi-way tie. It would break the multi-way tie that exists in the Big 12. Oklahoma's 4-1. and one. Iowa State is casually 4-1. and one. Oklahoma State has just ridden this incredible wave um, on Ollie Gordon. They are 4-1. and one. Texas is 4-1. and one. Kansas State is 4-1. and one. And one of the, the most beautiful thing about the Big 12, just in general, Abe, is that everybody has to play everybody. And this is a squad that, I mean, we're going to figure it all out. I I think that what we talked about the Pac-12 doing is ironically happening in the Big 12. And there is a very realistic chance that these teams just gouge each other and, and just beat each other up to the point that nobody makes it. And I have no real expectations for this game. Kansas State's a well-coached team. They're a team that's playing its best football as of late. They have been very effective on defense, I will say right alongside Texas, they lead the, the conference in points allowed. And I, I think, or at least within the conference, this is a very winnable game if you're Kansas state, because you can take advantage of, of the absence of Quinn Ewers. And look, you have your entire, 
everything is in front of you if you're Kansas State. So you have a chance to to go shock the world and beat Texas. I expect Texas to win this game, though. I think that the the, the Xavier Worthies and the A.D. Mitchells and everybody on the outside, uh, Robinson, I mean, look, this is a squad that that should win this game. They're a more talented team. They are the better team, and they're playing at home. So I expect Texas to win this football game. Did you have any more thoughts on that one, or do you want to move on? Well, it's just, it's just very interesting. Texas feels like a team that doesn't like to get bumped around. The high-flying speed of their offense on the outside. Yeah, but uh, Kansas State is the other way. Hard-nosed, gritty, play physical, play tough. They're comfortable in ugly-ish games. Uh, so there is a meshing of styles a little bit. It'll be interesting to see who wins out. But they, the other thing for uh, Texas, Will Howard at Kansas State is so dangerous with his legs. That's yeah. such a big part of their game. They did not do a great job controlling Dylan Gabriel and, and what he can do running the ball. That would be my key for Kansas yeah. State. If, if the Wildcats are going to win this game, uh, look for a lot of first down conversions, a lot of runs from the quarterback. Yeah. And then we're going to keep it in the Big 12 because Bedlam is happening, and it's the last edition of Bedlam. And that makes me very sad, <laughs> just in general. It's just one of the, the latest college football games that are – been played for a hundred years that's that's just going to go away seemingly overnight uh but oklahoma travels to oklahoma state to take on this edition of bedlam and oklahoma tends to have their way with oklahoma state just historically this is a, a game that oklahoma state has really struggled in but this is also an oklahoma team that has been struggling with itself as of late they they're coming off of a loss to kansas where i think all in all they were the better team uh they were the better team last week but they still found a way to lose and a lot of that comes down to them. The big plays have gone away. The turnovers have gone away. Those are things that you can't allow against an Oklahoma State team that you have Ollie Gordon, who has just been a freak of nature in this game. I mean, I think he has in his last three games something like 860 total yards. That's unbelievable. Everybody's keyed on the guy, and they still can't seem to slow him down. I mean, when you have somebody who's playing at that high of a level, and a lot of people picked Oklahoma State to win the conference or play for the conference title game coming into the season, and they they really shuffled their feet early in the season. And Oklahoma State's found their gear. People talked about Gundy being on the hot seat after the way they started. And since then, they've only come out and won. You know, I, I'm really excited for this game. And like I mentioned before, these are two teams who are 4-1 and one in play and both completely control their fate in the conference. Yeah, this is the thing where I agree with you. Ollie Gordon is obviously going to be the key here. He's had over 120 yards in each of his last five games on the ground. Mm -hmm. He also had like a buck 16 in one of those through the air. Went for 271 this past week, 280 the week before. Uh, but the other thing for for Oklahoma, and we've said this, is they – I don't know if this is the right terminology for it, but they are front runners. And what I mean by that is – they create turnovers. They do not turn the ball over. They had one of the best uh, turnover margins in the entire country. They may still lead the entire country in interceptions. That was what flipped a week ago. They have got to get back on track. This is a very dangerous Oklahoma State team. Look, you may look at their record. You see they got two losses. You go see who they lost to. It's not good losses, okay? They're probably the two worst losses for any ranked team in the country. But they've been trending back upwards. They beat the Kansas team that you just said knocked off Oklahoma. They beat the Kansas State team that's going to try and knock off Texas. They are getting better at the right part of the season. This is not at all 
a gimme win for Oklahoma. They have got to do the things that help them beat Texas and help them get into the top 10 in the first place. That is force the turnover and take care of the ball on their own. If not, Ollie Gordon will cut them up. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I don't want to I don't want to crap on Iowa State too much. That's the other loss. The South Alabama game is inexcusable. You can't lose a game like that, much less 30 to 7. Uh, that was a, oh my God, one of the most incredible results of the season that not a lot of people talked about. Let's put it that way. Um, but Iowa State's a team that's generally won the games that they were supposed to win outside of the game against Ohio and lost the games uh, that they were supposed to lose. But let's not forget that this is a team that's four. That's also a team that's four and one in conference and still very much alive in the race for the Big 12. I think that that's a bit of a fool's gold record. Um, we'll see what happens to them down the stretch. But like we said, Ollie Gordon's the key in this one. Dylan Gabriel, you should win this game if you're Oklahoma. This is a game that if you're Oklahoma or an Oklahoma fan, you always expect to win Bedlam. But this is Oklahoma State Super Bowl. You know, they're going to come out and pull out all the stops. And if they if they can beat Oklahoma on their way out, they'd be happy for the next decade. You know, like this game means so much to them. And I would not put it past them to, to win this football game. They're playing at home. I think that really matters. The crowd is going to be bananas. And I think this is just, this is a very interesting game. And it's coming into a 3.30 slate that's very packed. But at the end of the day, I got my eyes on this game because I'm very interested. I also want to see what Ollie Gordon does in the biggest game, likely of his career uh, so far to this point. But I want to move to another 3.30 game up in the Big Ten. Penn State travels to Maryland. Penn State had the struggle game last week. I think it was a bit of a hangover after what we saw against them in, uh, in Ohio state. They should win this game going away. Maryland is another team that had a frustrating loss last week and a game that they should absolutely not have lost. Uh, but Penn state's a better team. And I expect them to win this game. We saw Maryland play heads up with Ohio state for three quarters before it fell completely apart. Um, yeah. a couple weeks ago, this is a, a home game for, uh, Maryland. And my favorite thing to point to Penn state, Michigan next week. Don't let that game get you beat this week. Penn state still has a shot at making the college football playoffs still has a shot at winning mm -hmm. the big 10. It's all still in front of them. Uh, so just don't do anything dumb. I agree with you. They're the better team. There's no question about it, but don't look ahead. Don't be dumb. Uh, just, Go handle your business and then focus on the Wolverines. Um, change your play calls and, and get after the Terrapins. That's that's what you got to do. <laughs> no, come out and just do what you got to do uh, on offense. And uh, like you said, change your play calls because next week you got uh, Connor Stallions and company coming to town. Or I guess not Stallions is not going to be there because he is uh, suspended for uh, reasons that we're not going to get too deep into on this podcast. At least not right now because uh, – We'll see down the road as the investigation unfolds. I do want to take a quick point because Georgia State has a huge matchup after the loss to Georgia Southern last week. James Madison comes to town, and Georgia State is playing right now for their Sun Belt lives. I'm not going to go too deep into this one, but uh, Georgia Southern is, is in the driver's seat after the game last week, 3-1 uh, and one in the conference. James Madison is not allowed to play in the conference title game. I said earlier on this podcast that they are the team that got snubbed from the college football playoff rankings. They're 23rd in the AP poll. I think that's about right. Um, I think James Madison would go head to head with just about uh, most teams in the country. I'd say like, I would say that like, if it's anybody within the top 20 or so like outside of the top 20, I think that James Madison could give them a run for their money. And even a couple of those teams in the teens, 
I think they really could. This is a team that rushes the passer super well. Um, I want to see what the Georgia State passing attack can do. Uh, that's really the big being their biggest bread and butter is that short to intermediate passing game. And um, and then they run the ball effectively. But I don't think that's going to happen against James Madison. But this is a must-win game if you're Georgia State. Yeah, I'm also interested in James Madison. It just, this is one of the tougher games that they'll have going on the road. Uh, Georgia State's got a couple of extra days because they played uh, not on Saturday. Um, it, you know, it was a Thursday night game. So they got a couple extra days of rest, of game prep, stuff like that. We'll just see how it plays out. But uh, it's just, I'm just, I don't know just how good James Madison is. Not sure this game will seal the deal for me. Uh, but interested to see. And like you said, this is a desperate Georgia State team that has to win. Uh, after what happened to them uh, down there at Southern. Yeah, and James Madison's looking to uh, potentially overrule an NCAA bylaw that says they can't play in a bowl game. I think that's a ridiculous rule. I think the world thinks that's a ridiculous rule, and hopefully they overturn that and figure something out. Uh, I think that they will. I'm cautiously optimistic. But I, I want to finish here, Abe, because out in the Pac-12, which has undeniably been the most exciting conference in college football this year, multiple teams ranked in the top 20, in this most recent college football playoff poll, two of those teams are playing this week, Washington and USC. USC is looking to salvage their season after some just brutal losses on, on, on the road against uh, uh, Notre Dame, excuse me, uh, against Notre Dame and then uh, against Utah. Two games where they were kind of bullied and pushed around, and now they have a Washington team that, is not looked the part. They're ranked number five in the country, but they have the be- probably the best single win of anybody in this in the country. But they haven't looked like Washington. Michael Penix has not really played at a super high level. I'd still say he's probably the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. But who shows up for Washington right now? I, they can't afford to have a game like they have these last two weeks. But USC, I don't know how you slow down this Washington offense, even if it hasn't looked great in the last two weeks. If anybody wants a get right game, schedule USC. The college football playoff committee sent a message to Washington about their performance the past two weeks. Uh, You have not been good enough. We are not ranking you above some of these other teams. Message received. And and now they've got an opportunity to face a ranked team on the road and deliver a statement and and jump at least one, if not more positions. I mean, look, they're probably jumping Florida State if they win this week just because it's a ranked team on the road. And and I think that's an easy argument to make. But can you be impressive enough to jump Michigan? I, I think that's something that they're wanting to see, the committee I'm, I'm talking about. And so, uh, look, I, I think they did deliver a message to Washington. Now the question is, was that message received and can they act upon it? Because this is a game that I think we agree these two teams are not really on the same level. Uh, Washington is much better than USC, certainly defensively, uh, but maybe even offensively as well. And, and so – uh, this is a game that that you like to see them come out and you look, you're not going to shut down USC entirely, but can this game be end somewhere 50 to 20, something like that? Like that, that's what you want to see. Um, if you're a Washington fan, if you believe the Huskies should jump into the top four, come dominate this game. This isn't a game that you're going to hold USC to 20 points. I, you're not. No, that was just that. an example. Hey, I know, know but- I know, but I do want to throw this out there. This is not a USC team that's left for dead. Like this is still a USC team that has a debate, has an argument to say that they have the best offense. In the and look, if Washington doesn't wake up, if the message doesn't get received, USC can punch team, them in the mouth. Yeah. I mean, look, I've felt that they have slept walked through the last two weeks ever since that Oregon game. If you continue to do that, if you don't wake up, this game can get you. Yeah. And I think USC is 
plenty good. Uh, this is not a team. So when I, I picked Notre Dame to beat USC, I picked Utah to beat USC. I don't know if I'm going to pick Washington to beat USC. They're not the team that's built the same way as those other two teams. USC, generally speaking, likes teams that are a little bit more finesse. They don't like the punchy in the mouth teams. They don't like get pushed around. They're very LA in that sense. They're very fitting for where they play. But Washington is not also that kind of team. It's one of the reasons why I picked Oregon to win that game is because they are not a team that likes to get punched, pushed around too much. This is not this is not a game where you're going to be pushing anybody around. Both teams are going to rely on explosive offense. And I think both teams are well coached. So this is very much a game that USC can win. I might end up, I haven't made the pick yet. This is probably a game that I'm going to pick. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if I end up doing that, but USC very easily could win this game. Caleb Williams, I, I think he wants to get back on track. Michael Penix also wants to get back on track. 50 to 20 is not what I'm expecting. I'm expecting something like in the high 50s, 50-50 of sorts, a, a, a kind of a game. I'm not ready to pick the game yet. Um, you have to wait till Saturday morning at 11.20 before I do that uh, because I'm probably going to end up picking this one because it's just such a fascinating football game. Washington's traveling on the road. They generally play a lot better at home. Uh, I don't know if the, their offense is going to travel. They haven't done it in the last two weeks. You know, and of all the teams, who USC is looking to save their year and play in it. They can still go play in a New Year's Six game, even with those two losses they have on their schedules. Those are two pretty respectable losses. I don't know, man. This is going to be very interesting, and I think that's going to be – that might end up being one of the games of the week. It's as simple to me as, is this the Washington team that showed up and beat Oregon? If that's the one that shows up, they're going to handle business. Or is it the one we've seen since? Because if that's the case, USC comes out with a win, as you mentioned. This is a very interesting game. It's all about the Huskies, in my opinion. Which side shows up? I tend to agree. I tend to agree.